0: The Big Footy Port LA Podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. Power, power. I love the
1: power. Power, power. Good evening and welcome to the Big Footy Port LA Podcast preview show for round four versus Greater Western Sydney. The match is held on Sunday afternoon at Manica Oval. I'm Portia and joining me tonight is Rick. How are you, Rick?
0: Woohoo, I'm excited, Portia, what a great day it is, and it's Friday tomorrow, so it's even better.
1: That's the good thing about always doing the preview show. Oh, what are we excited about? Well, I mean, it's a bit of a quiet week, I suppose, you know, um, only two huge announcements for the club. Um, But of course, there's a third one, which we'll just get through first, which is a huge announcement for Port Farron Radio, which is that we're up to number 88 on the sports and rec chart for podcasts, which is kind of How awesome
0: is how
1: awesome is that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's worrying. How's that happening? And apparently we're ahead of jars, I so that's pretty good and Andrew Jarman. <laughs> well
0: that doesn't that doesn't really say much though, does
1: it? No, but it's fantastic. Back to, back to it. It's, it's great. Time. I
0: mean, I think it, it's just awesome that it, you know, over the last few weeks everyone's been so supportive of the show and uh, mm. I think they're mm. they're starting to pay attention to uh, uh, to me begging and some of the other port fan radio hosts into writing reviews on iTunes. So, you know, I think that's making a big difference and getting us more exposure. So that's yeah. great. And, you know, it, it's all about, you know, we're here having our fun to try and provide fun for fellow port fans that sort of get starved of um, port content, really. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's the funny thing I, I find, Porsche. People um, might choose um, the couch against our review show or or league teams mm. against our preview show where you're getting maybe five minutes of content, if you're lucky, compared to an hour. So my tip is if you do really want to watch it, why don't you listen to us and then mute us for five minutes or 30 seconds when we come up and then uh, and then bring us back up again.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, also with league teams, I think their first show is at 6.30. So if you watch that, they're done at 7.30 and then you can just be ready. Well, 7 o'clock, I think it is, whatever it works out too. So well, it all works Have out well. well but... Yeah. And will be more
0: entertaining than the than the footy show, surely.
1: You'd hope so. It's hard to say. Oh. Um, I, I, you'd hope surely, so, but sure. I mean, I guess that says that we've got a, a more intelligent, you know, discerning demographic.
0: <laughs> I think the next plan going forward for Port Fan Radio, which Mac is not that keen on, but is, I reckon, we go to Channel Forty Four. Let's make a visual.
1: Oh God, <laughs> that's a backwards. Port
0: Fan TV, What do you reckon? <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Hey, I'm keen. <laughs> right. He's with me. Charge. But just quickly, we've got an incentive. I'll try and get it formalised with a, a banner and stuff like that. So anyone listening in, um, New Vision's offering up on the 21st of May. It's a 4 um, West 5 game uh, to the West Coast Eagle game, two tickets to the locker room. Um, all you have to do is quite simple Um, write a review on itunes preferably a a five-star review that would be great Um, not a one star Um, and everyone that's on the itunes review list i'll I'll put into an excel spreadsheet and do a random sort generator and whoever's top of the list of the random sort uh, will win two tickets to go to the locker room that's pretty good all right it's me and my business is Wayne New Vision of saying thanks for your support and try and reward people. And uh, yeah, we've got some, we've got some other things coming up throughout the year, some competitions. Um, Jacko's on board as the New Vision ambassador again, and part of that is he's going to come on to Port Fan Radio once a month, which is great. And uh, uh, we player sponsoring Matt Loby and John Ross, and they said they'll come on at some stage as well. So we'll try and get some good
1: player content. You ripper. All right, well, let's get awesome. into it. Awesome. Right. We've got a couple of hot things that have happened for the club during the week, and we'll just start, I think, with the local one. Um, well I guess We'll start with a really basic one, which is just the Port Adelaide member survey that went out talking about Guernsey changes and so forth. And I guess you know, on Sunday, that looked like that was going to be the big news this week, um, whether we had a white or a teal Guernsey for an away Guernsey going on in the future, or if we had the, the white panel on the back. Um, I had thought about talking about this, but it's just so boring compared to what's actually happened this week. So we'll start off with the fact that zones are back. Um, South Australia, on the back of Victoria, having had their um, development zones in the Northern Territory and Victoria given out about a month ago, um, Adelaide and Port Adelaide have carved up their bits of South Australia for Aboriginal development and for development of teams for of, of players that are of Asian, African, and potentially other backgrounds on a case-by-case basis. Um Basically, the regions and we will be able to pick them, I think, similarly to how GWS and um, Gold Coast can pick their players. I don't know that it takes effect immediately, so I don't think we'll be able to get Brandon Parfitt. We've been given the zones that are Woodville, West Torrens, Centrals, Norwood and South Adelaide, uh, which gives us a huge, huge swathe of excellent areas, uh, including the regional areas of Air Peninsula, Fulleria Peninsula and York Peninsula. We get Kangaroo Island, bits in the mid-north and the Riverland, and we get some APY lands, the Urnuela, Amata, Maputya and Pipalitara. Um It's interesting that we had Norwood zone to us, but that's the only way we get the Air Peninsula. So I've got to say, as someone that grew up in the Norwood zone, I'm pretty excited to finally be able to say I grew up in a zone that was uh, area that was zoned Port Adelaide. That's pretty good. What do you think, Rick?
0: Is this the big one that we're talking about first? Your what? big one? Yes? What? Yeah. No, no, I, I thought we might go somewhere else first. But, yes, oh, I,
1: no. what I love
0: is it. I love the Air Peninsula, to be honest. I mean, mm. to me, um, I always think um, Air Peninsula is one of our breeding grounds. I think pretty David Hines came from there, our Rutman. We've We've had a lot of players um, so. uh, come from that region. And, and it's great to get that back. And it was a shame that we were sort of forced to, to lose it for a while. And uh, I guess, what did we give up? We lost the... Um, we had centrals in our zone for a while as well, didn't we?
1: Centrals was created from Port Adelaide's own, um, as was Woodville West Torrens. So we, we don't get that. Crows have got Central Districts area. Um, yeah, mm. <laughs> no. but I mean,
0: yeah, I think I think the rural the rural aspects to the zoning is more attractive to me. The uh, oh, yeah, you, you know, trying to foster the relationship with the uh, with the Aboriginal culture, which we've been pushing hard to do as a club for quite some time and uh, sort of uh, hit resistance there a little bit. And, um, yeah, so I think that's great for me. And also, um, yeah, just getting Norwood as a feeder club, as Barry Beerbreast just said. I mean, that's fantastic in a way, isn't it?
1: Well, it's good that Norwood's a feeder club, and I know that there's been some talk about how we should on the boards about how we should have had Central Districts and Norwood uh, instead of Norwood uh, as one of our clubs that we've had assigned to us. But um, really, Norwood is actually not a terrible option as far as the um, having uh, players of Asian and African backgrounds, particularly Asian, because if you look at that zone. Uh, it's very much a a property zone that is selling very much to Asian families that are sort of moving to Adelaide. And so these are the guys that are basically the sort of guys we often seem to recruit these days anyway, which is they'll all end up going to, I don't know, Saints or all the fancy schools, Norwood High, wherever else in that Norwood area. Um, And basically may be available to us as players that have grown up, you know, as Aussie as anyone. So I don't know that it's necessarily to disadvantage Trust to have Nord as a, a zone for uh, this sort of uh, access. We'll see how it turns out. I don't know what economic restrictions are going to be placed on players that can be sponsored and whatever else. We'll, we'll see. Um, but I think on the whole, it's pretty good news. Um, and if you sort of look at that map of South Australia, like there's not a lot of places outside of the Port Adelaide zone as a tourist I'd really want to go to. So um, we're doing all right. <laughs>
0: Is it, is it the conspiracy theorist way of this is the first step of uh, Norwood trying to uh, infiltrate and take over our club?
1: Well, it's not the first. It's about the fourth or fifth, isn't it?
0: Uh, first major. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm with you. But is, is, there, is there more of a connection coming there? Norwood becoming a feeder club, Keith Thomas and everything else. You know, are we going to be taken over?
1: Look, I think if anything, it's got to be the reverse because I think that when you talk about SNFL, you're basically talking about Nord versus Port. And so, with the Magpies being kind of dissociated from that league, anyone that's a Nord fan, they're they're looking, they've got a respect for Port Adelaide. Like, for Nord fans, Port Adelaide is, you know, who you play against. That's football. And so, I think there's going to be a possibly, there's no one left. Really, there's no one left to be recruited to the power now. But I'd say that makes it a lot easier to be a Nord fan. Or have Nord fan parents or grandparents and be a Port Adelaide fan at the same time, which is good. That's exactly what we want. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, absolutely.
0: But I think we, we should get on to the uh, the next yeah. exciting topic, which is, what is it?
1: It's the China, Shanghai Cred sponsorship of Port Adelaide for the next three years. Um, what, are you, is a, a what are you talking huge, about? It's a huge announcement, Rick. Have you not been following the news? Cautions what an announcement? In, uh, you know, the I'm PM. joking. I'm oh
0: joking. Oh my god. Oh my god. It's I don't know. It's i it, just before we talk about it, how much mm. hype has there been about this announcement and were you a little bit concerned, oh my God, we've just pumped this up so majorly is it gonna be everything that we were expecting?
1: <laughs> um honestly I I figured that whatever it was, it was gonna be, you know, fairly big. Um I think that it would have been easy for us to have had a response to this, like that horrible response we had to Aaron Phillips being announced as one of the Christmas uh, surprise announcements or secret announcements. Um, but this one's lived up to any expectations you could have and more realistically. Um, essentially, we've got a three year sponsor in Shanghai Credit, a huge property investor and so forth, uh, headed up by, what's his name? Gui Guaji, whose name I've got to, we've got to learn that name. We've got to learn how to say that surname now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, We'll be holding annual training camps in Shanghai. We'll be continuing to sponsor South China AFL, Guangdong AFL, Team China and Auskick. Uh, We'll be keeping up the TV production that was sort of announced last week. Uh, And we'll be running business events in Shanghai, Beijing and Hong Kong. And Mm. we'll be playing a game for premiership points, which will be fascinating. Um, we've been out on the front foot uh, saying that we're contractually obliged to play all of our home games at uh, Adelaide Oval, which I think is probably the first time in our AFL journey that being contractually obliged to play games at an has actually worked for our advantage. Um, so basically we've we'll got to the AFL to assist us in convincing another team to potentially tra- move one of their home games up to Shanghai and play against us, which I'd say there's a few options to look at. I'd say there's probably two or three clubs that you'd really say would be likely. Um, Rick, do you reckon, and Rick, uh, have you got any thoughts yeah. on who you think the hosting team might be?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I, um, I think we need... There's a lot to talk about here, so I mm. think we make sure we don't miss anything, so we'll break it up. But mm. it's hard, isn't it? Because I think I would, I would prefer to lose one of our home games from Adelaide Oval... And um, and keep the home and make it our home game at, in China because I feel like when when we've done it in the Northern Territory we've sort of done the work and then Melbourne predominantly or the Bulldogs took the home game in Darwin and Alice and uh, and sort of then sort of leveraged off of our hard work. Now I don't know if I'm being a little bit insecure. Well, I think they did.
1: I, I think I think you are being a bit insecure because. Only a month ago, Northern Territory was saying that Melbourne had been terrible, they haven't done enough camp stuff and they want to get rid of them as part of the arrangement, which from a poor perspective is exactly the perfect result for us because it means that the, any AFL support that's been increased in Northern Territory during that period would be to mm. f- for Melbourne's opponents. And I think it could be similar for Shanghai. We'd be able to secure more of a home ground advantage in Shanghai if we were able to convince two clubs to hold home games in Shanghai. As then we'd be the team that's in two games as opposed to equally being in one game. But could we sell?
0: Could we sell one of our home games in lieu to say a struggling North Melbourne at Adelaide Oval, and um, to replace it, and therefore uh, but give them a a larger slice of the of our revenue
1: to make up. Well, I guess we'll just talk quickly about the clubs that are likely to do this. And I think probably the two top teams on this list, obviously the number one would be Melbourne. Um, like I just said before, Northern Territory is not happy with that previous arrangement, so it's likely to end fairly soon. They're already sponsored by Southern China Airlines, although I'm hearing reading some not great things about that on Bigfooty. Um and the reality is that in Melbourne, there's already, because so many of the local teams or have had arrangements to sell off home games for so long, there's already basically a scheme in place where you get replacement home games. Mm-hmm. So it's actually really easy for Melbourne clubs to sell off a home game now and know that they'll still have 12 plus games in Melbourne or Victoria every year. Um, so I think that's part of why it's easier to have that come out of the Victorian pool of too many games in Melbourne. As opposed to coming out of Adelaide's small allotment, that would see us have another week without footy. Um, Who do we suck
0: at? Like, where do we suck playing at? Can we try and sacrifice and uh, (sighs) and make it one of those? Perhaps.
1: mm, Ideally, we'd be able to get Geelong involved, but I don't think they have any interest or need for it at all. Um, The other one that's come up, um, and Ryan Pillars just mentioned this on the Spreaker chat room. You can jump in and have a chat if you want to, if you're listening to Mm. this live. Uh, is GWS, and there's a few good reasons for that. Um, GWS, obviously, if they lose a home game, it's not really a huge problem for them. Uh, they're still building support, and so supporters don't have any 10 year, 20 year, 30 year expectations of having X number of home games per year. Uh, the other reason would be that it um, enables the sponsors to access Sydney to some degree. It's sort of if there is going to be a, a, almost a a big brother, little brother kind of um, relationship in terms of courting favour within China, um, GWS is probably a good second to have. Uh, and also, not a lot of fans are going to be worried about missing that one, although that's not really a great thing to say leading into this week where we're playing GWS. Mm. But um, I'm sure the AFL will be very keen to give GWS an opportunity to get <coughs> sponsorships that can fund them so that the rest of the league don't have to. Who do you like? Who do I like for it? Yeah. Um, my my preferred one, if, if we're only doing one game, I think it would be easier to do Melbourne. I think it would be better to do the GWS. Um, so it comes down to whether we are doing easy or we're going for a best case scenario. Um, and I think that GWS are more likely to go up to Shanghai, uh, and not have terrible, terrible form that makes it a complete blowout one way or the other. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, and, about, did, and the brand value of GWS is not very high in Australia, but in China, as a new team, they'll jump on like they would any other team.
0: Yeah. What about Sydney?
1: Uh, I don't see that being a value proposition for the AFL. Uh, if it's a, value, been, it's a value
0: proposition for us though, because we suck at bloody SCG.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, if we're losing a game against GWS, so we have not got a great record against at, at, at Manica, for example, where we're playing this week. Mm-hmm. Um, we did beat. We have beaten GWS scenario in the game there previously, but um, you know that'd be if we could lose that game from our schedule, dump Canberra and pick up Shanghai. I mean that's a pretty good scenario. I would have thought for the most part, mm. unless you're a Canberra fan. I know we've got some Canberra fans of Port Adelaide, but
0: Big um, yeah, Al would be a gas losing his Canberra game. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um, it would be would be unfortunate for a lot of people, I suppose. But um, yeah, I think uh, GWS would be my first choice, and there, I've got uh, another third option, which is. Yes. A little bit off the wall, and maybe people haven't seen coming, but I think it's quite possible if there is a second game, for example, and that's Essendon. Essendon. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. okay. And the reason for Essendon is, number one, we've already given China a shot to look at them. Um, So there may have been a reason behind that. They haven't hit rock bottom yet. So we're talking about how Essendon are screwed and they're going to be terrible on-field, but the reality is that the off-field effects are going to be heard for another five, six, seven, eight years. And with that, it's going to hurt their sponsorship opportunities. Um, you'd think that if Essendon's board are looking to the future and thinking we're going to have a rough period coming up, they might be thinking this could be a good deal for us. So I think Essendon could be an outside chance, but I guess we'll see.
0: I think I think you're right, and everyone that said GWS, I think that's the uh, the logical um, uh, option. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure a Victorian club would like to try and ride in on the coattails and take advantage of this. So, uh, I, yes, I am cynical. I, when it comes to this sort of stuff in the Victorian clubs, they're leeches. They've been leeches since 1986 when they created the AFL when they were going broke and they haven't yeah. changed. So I am very, very cynical and also starting to show my age. So,
1: all right, <laughs>
0: we'll, we'll just move on a little bit about it. But it's, um, it's very, very exciting to be playing a game there. And it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. But I thought the oval, there wasn't a big enough oval. Are, are the Chinese going to actually make a custom-made stadium for AFL?
1: I have no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because, who knows, there might be some talk with cricket as well. I don't know. We haven't looked mm-hmm. into that. But that's always been the pairing, hasn't it? Footy and cricket. Yeah. Um, and, you know, China is... To you, this is very interesting or weird perspective. But they are technically have some English colonial history as well, and maybe there is a little seed of cricket. I don't know anything about China as far as that sort of picking up of sports. Maybe not. Well, it's um, interest.
0: It's interesting, and it segues into your next topic on the run sheet. But there's, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen the article floating floating around on uh, Vice Sports. Yep. Uh, the URL sports.vice.com, com, um, and I found it quite interesting because they're talking about. Um, The Chinese middle-class economy is already 230 million people uh, strong and in the next decades proposed to grow to 630. Um, And you've got America where their middle class sits at 92. And I guess the middle class is uh, the biggest following of of sport um, and everything, really. And, um, And so... It's an interesting article how it goes on there. And then it, it puts some figures, which I know you're going to propose in a sec. Mm-hmm. Um, You've got Manchester United, uh, the most followed technically with 8.9 mil, Man City with 8.3. Coming in third with 5.5 5 million followers is uh, Guangzhou Evergrade FC. I think that city's got like 40 million people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess what they're saying is with 230 million going to 630 million, the middle class... There's a distinct possibility if we can get the marketing right um, that Port Adelaide could latch on to quite a lot of followers very quickly.
1: Yeah, look, there's certainly there's the tourism aspects, but there's also state trade, which is part of why Jay Weatherall was very quick to make his own little announcement this morning this mm. afternoon. Um, so yeah, that middle class is growing, and middle class everywhere in the world likes doing certain things. So they like travelling for experiences, and they like having small luxuries. So travelling for experiences, there could be not a lot of things that would be better for someone from a cramped city like Shanghai than to come to spacious Adelaide, stay in the city or in Rundle Street or wherever else, walk to the Oval and go see a a cracking game with fantastic atmosphere. Um, And while we're here on a trip, maybe they'll go to the Barossa Valley, buy some wine, um, which they're probably already importing in large amounts and may import in more amounts in the future. Um, Really, for someone coming from an Asian culture, a trip to Adelaide, uh, and I can talk about this because my two half sisters have grown up in Indonesia. They're Indonesian Chinese, and they came out to Adelaide, and they loved it. Um, so it's uh, yeah, absolutely. It's um, it's a very different experience at Adelaide. Probably more than any Australian city, just how spacious and big and roomy everything is. So I think there's room for Adelaide as a tourist destination. Um, the branding of Port Adelaide, though, obviously South Australia, within Australia, is always going to have that rep that basically Victorians and some New South Welshmen put about about SA being backwards but uh, we talk about being potentially the Manchester United of international AFL support, you know, Um, being from Adelaide doesn't matter because if we're the first team in and we can hold that exclusivity for a while then our brand is Australia, it's not Adelaide, although Adelaide is part of it um our Mm. brand is you know you come to Adelaide probably or maybe you go see us play against Sydney in Sydney or GWS in Sydney or against a game at the MCG or in in the Gold Coast or Brisbane or wherever else we might end up playing games in the future it becomes a, a stop along the way um and that's really I think it's potentially a big deal for the state but most of all it's a really huge deal for Port Adelaide um it's Koshy had a great quote on leg teams just now uh, about how he sees Port Adelaide being to Australia, what the Bolshoi Ballet uh, is or and was for Russia, uh, particularly during the Cold War era, where they were just this exceptionally professional company that was basically a, a, an ambassador to the world um, of the good part of the Russia, and we are the good part of South Australia. There is no doubt. Mm. Um, so it's, uh, I think it's certainly a. Um, we have a great potential in this. This is a huge, huge deal for us. Uh, and it's, I think it's not just in China, the nation, but I think that uh, you have to remember that China is a diaspora throughout all of Southeast Asia. And so you've got Indonesian Chinese, Malaysian Chinese, you've got Chinese uh, descent people all over Asia. And if you can show that you are friendly, that you are the part of Australian culture that is open to that, to, to people coming in and being part of it, um, that can have a huge knock-on effect, even within Australia. Mm.
0: It's exciting. Hopefully, they don't put a stadium 100k's out in the boondocks where no one's going to go. Um, it'd be nice. It'd <laughs> nice if it's a little bit accessible. You know, like like most Olympic games where they're just uh, they're shunted. Um, but uh, yeah, it's I don't know. I'm speechless in a way. Have you been following the media? Has uh, How's the football world taken to this news? And how's um, the, our rivals taken it? Are, the, are our rivals talking it down or are, are our rivals going, wow, they've done really well?
1: Um, the rivals are doing the normal thing that AFL rivals do, which is they're simultaneously saying it won't work and it's a huge advantage. Sounds interesting. It's what happens every time something new happens or, you know, for example... Yeah. Um, like the top-up players, like I don't think there would have been a club that would have had a different view other than it's a huge advantage and it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, they'll, they'll have that that dual opposing views and that's because they don't know what's going to happen. It's a it's a huge punt. Um, we don't know what the result's going to be. Um, mm. And that's why you're talking about Victorian clubs muscling in and taking over. Like that won't happen for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years until it's proven to be a financial success. Um mm. That's how, that's how the AFL Victorian teams do it. So you have, for example, North Melbourne starting Friday night games. Then they get bumped out for the big clubs. And that's what that's what we need to watch out for more than anything else is further down the line when it actually does start proving particularly profitable.
0: I'm a big, I'm a big believer in the first mover advantage. And, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, look, it's such a massive market. I, if we make it work successfully... Others will follow, and I. There was a great analogy today. It's a, a training seminar um, that I did with uh, a guy called Jack Daly, and if you got anyone's into sales, I'd highly recommend um, uh, searching him if you haven't. And but his analogy was about breaking the ceiling, having your visions and, and setting them high, and and uh, he spoke about is it Jordan Bannister or Roger Bannister, the the runner that broke the four minute mile?
1: Uh, Roger.
0: Yeah, Roger Bannister. So. Um, Jordan Bannister was a footy player, wasn't he?
1: Yeah, but Rogers is his granddad, so there you go. Is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, but... There you go.
0: So anyway, Bannister, first guy to break the four-minute mile. And mm. everyone everyone said, can't be done, can't be done, can't be done. And uh, he breaks it. And then within a month, the record's gone again, right? So what it shows, someone has to do the impossible and then others will go oh it is possible let's follow and it's a very very apt analogy and you know hopefully we're the ones that are the ones that are breaking that glass ceiling but we don't lose our advantage and and continue on and I, I think yeah look in this sort of market such a big market you know I'm sure you could probably share that market with all 18 clubs and you would still everyone would still be happy.
1: Uh, yes, but we don't want to do that. What we, or I think of course that, not. I think our best position would be to say, hey, there's India. Uh, in a lot of ways, India is probably an easier conversion because they've already got cricket grounds everywhere. <laughs> so that makes it a natural fit, at least at the local and cultural level, to adopt it. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, it's a huge deal for us. And I think another part of what this might do within South Australia, and this is me sort of dreaming here, is that I'm really, really hoping that what's going to happen is that racist... Port-ish aligned fans will kick up about having this sort of imprint on their club or just being generally racist and maybe they'll just go and barrack for the Crows. And wouldn't that be a best case scenario is that, you know, Port has huge international investment and the Crows become the racist club of South Australians? Um, Well,
0: (laughs) I'd be be hoping we don't have many of those supporters left anyway. Of course we do. Well, I'd like to uh, hear everyone else's uh, yeah. opinions. What's their dream? What do they think going to uh, come out of this as well? It's um, But, yes, I think Scott's right. We might not be a, a drain on the AFL or the... Well, the AFL doesn't really matter anymore anyway. Does it doesn't. But no. uh, And uh, Barry Beerbreath reckons that you know everything, Porsche.
1: Oh, I don't know about that. Um, so what... The other part yeah. of what Scott said was that um, I think port needs to be a drain but not making too much money. That's club logic, so I think that's right. Uh, any money that we're making from this, we really need to be playing back into um, basically setting up our own routes within China so that we become more and more unassailable. Um, the okay. octagon of defence, we've got to cover all of our directions yep. of attack. Uh, and so absolutely that's where we should be putting the money. We, if, as far as massive profits in the club coffers, even if there is a possibility, I want to see it thrown back into it because then mm. it's hard for clubs to say, ah, oh, huge advantage. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean
0: I, would, if we, I mean, I don't know how much money can be made out of it, but mm. if it got us to close to number one spend uh, with the coaching department and everything else with the club, I completely agree once we hit get close to that tier, um, pump it into China and uh, and make sure uh, we get as strong a foothold as possible. So what was Malcolm Turnbull's involvement in this
1: announcement? Well, that's a good question because that leads me on to another thought, which is that who got this over the line? So we know Lockhart Road obviously has had a huge involvement, but then you kind of think who's on our board that's involved with Malcolm Turnbull and you have to think Amanda Vanstone's the link there. Um mm. That's very clearly enough there. I think they're of a fairly similar mindset in terms of their personal politics. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, we'd have to go through uh, foreign affairs to set something like this up in the first place, no matter what. So Turnbull jumping on at a time when his popularity is probably waning a little bit, um, it makes sense. makes sense for him to do that.
0: Well, who, but is that really... How many voters is this winning over? I mean, most people won't give a shit about Port Adelaide in China except for port supporters, so... Is there really, is, was uh, there something something I missed in the announcement? I mean, I only focused on the sport component more than the trade component.
1: Is, and I think the main thing you've missed there is the fact that both party leaders right now could very easily be accused of having no vision. And mm. so Turnbull being able to associate himself with a vision for future business growth uh, which he's talking up, and as I said, Jay Weatherall's talking up for the opposition. They're talking up as being a potential boon for Australian business and all that sort of thing. If he can be seen supporting initiatives that are visionary uh, and that look like, you know, on paper, look like a pretty good deal, he needs to be doing that right now, and that's exactly what he's doing. Um, mm. The only thing, I, I guess we'll have Bill Shorten probably try and muscle in fairly soon in the next couple of days. Um, he's probably probably already getting a call through to Koshy, so we'll see how that goes. God, I hope not.
0: <laughs> I hate it when politics tries to blend in with uh, sport.
1: I think that Port Adelaide fans are pretty used to welcoming on the board the bandwagon occasionally. We just have to be polite and keep them in their place when they start acting up. So we're, <laughs> where to from here, Portia? Yeah, well, what's the next big announcement? Is it, you know, are we going to the moon?
0: <laughs> no, no. no. I, I reckon we're going to get involved with Zuckerberg and Stephen Hawking's in this micro-nanotechnology of space exploration to find in further habitable planets. I reckon that sounds like a great thing for Port to be involved in. What do you reckon?
1: Well, it's very long term. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I reckon they can cut it down to 20 years. So uh, I found that that was a very interesting article I, I saw last night. What about, so what about this uh, Mr Gui Goji character? Yeah. Do you know much about him?
1: I don't know much about him at all, but I have the feeling we've got to learn more and more about him uh, in the next couple of weeks. Um, all we know is that someone at Port's got to him and he wants to bring Aussie rules to China, and he's got the money to back it up. He's a billionaire, I think, so um, it's the first time we had one of those on our side, I think. Um, There's a few. <laughs> Sorry?
0: There's a few over what? there.
1: Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Um, So it's great And he's looking at it as a long term thing So he's not looking for China to make money out of it Um, It's really a sort of a cultural gift Of building a relationship with Australia And introducing a a game that he's obviously quite enjoying um, Into a country that is very keen on these sorts of diversions As that middle class grows As you mentioned earlier So uh, interesting Um, Barry Beerbeth has just said He reckons we're going to have the first game on Mars Which, let's face it, if anyone could, we could um, I'm kind of worried myself about how slow Alipati Carlyle would be on Mars, but I guess that's something you work with. <laughs> um. He wouldn't
0: need he wouldn't need any additional weights to keep him grounded, would he? No,
1: no, <laughs> no, no, absolutely.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry, Bobby. Don't take it out on me. It was a joke. Pot kettle yeah. black and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um. Oh. It is. It's a, bit, uh, it's a bit exciting and overwhelming, really. Yeah. Isn't it? Well, yeah. What's
1: what's really interesting about it is how our fates, to some extent, may be tied to the Liberal Party. That's an interesting perspective, and I think that's something that may reveal itself more. So at the moment, if we're talking about foreign investment in Australia, obviously there's been some people thwarted in that regard recently, Um Turnbull, I think, is vaguely in favour of it. Uh, Our sponsorship's coming from an investment firm, who I believe would be very much in favour of it. Uh, How much of our fate is tied to the performance of the Liberal Party? That's an interesting thought. We'll we'll see a little bit of impact on that, potentially. Mm. 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 Politics and sport, what's better? Nothing.
0: (laughs) But anyway... Shall we? Shall we all move
1: right. on? I guess we could talk about the football now. So um yeah yeah yeah. Um all right. So this week we're playing against Greater Western Sydney in Canberra. Uh, last time we played uh, was in Round 20 of August 2015, at Adelaide Oval. Uh, we beat them by 21 points. Um, if we are having a problem with Joe the Goose goals, uh, we, this is not a great team for us to come up against because Reese Palmer in that game kicked five goals. Three is their only real high performer on the scoreboard. Uh, and that was a lot of Joe the Goose stuff there. Uh, Brendan Archie got the three votes. It was his breakout game, um, and we won by 21 points: uh, 16, 15, 111 to GWS 13, 12, 90. Um, mm. It was quite an enjoyable match. I think we were just sort of seeing the the form of Brendan Archie. It was just a, a ripper game, absolutely ripper game from him, um, and just seeing the team c- kind of come together and those second team midfielders start to consolidate.
0: Was that when Brendan did the the most epic handball of all time? I'm
1: pretty sure that was that game. Yeah.
0: And I and then I just spoke about it for like four weeks afterwards.
1: <laughs> it all just became a, a blur of Brendan Archie finding his feet. Really, the, the, yeah. those last few games. It was um quite impressive. Um,
0: it was very impressive. It's uh, you know the most memorable thing for me from that game, I reckon, was Buddy. What's their what was their Rutman's name? Um, Lob. And he had his, I think it was lob, and he had his mm. thigh heavily bandaged and buddy Jackson for that whole game was just punching his bloody thigh. Keep trying to, you know, his corky and I think he got mm. reported for it and got a fine. Yeah. But, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, Jack- well, that, that, that game started off really rough. GWS thought they were going to physically intimidate us and we fought back. Um, yeah. As Scott S has just said in the Spreaker chat room, yeah, that was the game we got our mongrel back. Um It was a really good, tough game. Um, Really enjoyable, actually. I I, I missed it on the last time they met on Fox footy, but uh, I definitely would like to see it again. It was very, very fun. It was an enjoyable
0: game. I do remember that. So I'm sure you're going to go through the ins and outs. But is uh, is Hamish Hartlett, then, if they want to get a bit physical, a good in for us this week?
1: Um, No, because if he's coming off injury, his ability to be a physical prick is probably reduced. And also, on the other hand, if he's coming off injury, it means that GWS are going to try and rough him up and that will get him anger and he might do something stupid. So I don't know that's necessarily a good combination. Um, we'll see. Obviously, as a you know, now that he's the, the leader or the, the vice-captain, um, he has to quell his West Adelaide instincts to go for a fight. Um, we'll see how that goes this week, because I think if he's playing, it might be tested. Uh, you reckon he's a little bit
0: ill-disciplined with the physicality?
1: Um, I think that we can say that he has been in the past when he's been under mm. proper pressure, and I think that if coming off injury um, at, at any year when you're still trying to prove you're a leader, um, I think that's gonna. If I was if I was a GWS t- a niggler, I'd be thinking, yeah, this is the week to go real hard, at Hamish. I, I personally is what I would be thinking. Yeah. Mm. So.
0: Wingard and Sammy Cahoon are also listed.
1: Yeah, they've been added. Um, whether Cahoon stays in uh, is questionable. So obviously we've got the expanded squad because it's a Sunday game. Um, interestingly, I think the the inclusion's on the bench because it makes fairly clear, I think, one of the outs. Um, but the bench is Paul Stewart, Carl Amon, Darcy Byrne-Jones, Jarman Impey, Hamish Hartlett, Chad Wingard and Sam Cahoon. So of those, three will drop out. You'd have to How? think... Harlett's
0: not on the bench. Archie's on the bench.
1: Oh, sorry. Is Hartlett named on the field? Oh, there yeah, we are. Yeah, he's okay. half back. Well, yep. that makes it easier. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> so then, you reckons
0: the obvious out.
1: Uh, Paul Stewart's the obvious out, really. Outrageous.
0: I thought he had a great game last week. Nah. Can't drop him after that.
1: Well, He not, had nothing special, but I don't think I want to drop any of those beforehand. Um, Darcy Byrne-Jones basically was guaranteed a game in the post-match conference last week, so even though he might normally be the one dropped out, I don't think he will be. Um, Carl oh, Amon. Pollock. Pollock will be in. Yeah, well, Pollock will stay in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Amon and Impi I think, would stay in. Um, and Cahoon, I guess, will drop out. I think he's just uh, effectively an emergency inclusion. I don't so know if ahead think, of the You reckon hands. they're going to drop Arch? They might drop Arch. You reckon? Well, he's been a bit up and down.
0: But he's been getting some positive momentum, I thought. I thought last yeah. week was his best game for the year.
1: I think personally, I think we might see one of the ins maybe drop out. So maybe Hartlett is not quite right. Wingard is not quite right. We could be playing games with GWS on something like this. Yeah. So um, I, I don't know. I'm not. I I don't know. It's always hard to say with the Sunday games with that expanded squad. It's very hard to always read, particularly when it's injured players coming back. That might be a bit iffy. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, personally, I'd. Don't see Sammy Cahoon playing. Mm. Um, Paul Stewart, obviously, if we're going to be serious, he'll, he'll go. Yeah. Um, wasn't that a weird injury to his ankle? It was just like, I've never seen it before yeah. where no one touched him. He didn't really land, and, but he rolled his ankle in the air. It was quite strange. Um, but, yeah, Sammy Cahoon, Paul Stewart. Uh, and I wonder if maybe uh, little jars might be dropped for this game.
1: Well, um, I agree with Barry. Beerbreath has just commented that he thinks Impy might play some time up the field. Um, I am still not at a point where I'd drop Jarman Impy. I think I would just be saying he's not a back, shut down back pocket. He's not. But he is a good physical midfielder, and we're going, he's going up against a side that I believe is susceptible to good physical midfielders that can run down the guts and knock blokes about. So I believe that's. Well, be then wouldn't, re- wouldn't
0: Archie in. be a better choice to stay in the side then?
1: I think Archie is Archie is a ball winner, whereas I think Impy is probably a little bit more outside in how he affects, but he's still got that physicality. So I'd say Impy's probably closer to like a Byron Pickett type. They might go inside, but it's not where they do their best work, whereas Archie, I think, his Archie's best work is sort of Josh Francoish, I think, ideally, in that he can be in the middle and he can be just outside the middle. Um, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see.
0: Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think personally, I think well, as you said, Burn Jones is going to stay. Mm. Amon Amon had a reasonably strong game as well, so yeah. I think it might be out of MP and Arch for that for that last spot. And I guess maybe you know a bench of Pollock, Amon, Burn Jones, and MP. Um, that that gives us a lot of run, doesn't it?
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And how
0: how, how are you finding? our smaller side I think it's actually more suited, suited to our game plan
1: I think there's no doubt about that um, if we play, yeah I think there's no doubt about that at all um, it feels like sides are getting smaller this year mm. Like in, certainly in the forward line it's getting smaller or I think what's actually going to happen is we're going to see more mobility introduced into tall forwards effectively so we'll go more the skinny guys that can run a lot um, basically your Chris Tarrant types from back in the day will become more prevalent I think Mm. Uh, as opposed to John Browns and your Warren Treadways. Uh,
0: an interesting discussion topic I heard was um, re, uh, Sam... What's his name? Shaw. Yeah, re,
1: uh, yeah
0: he's oh, Shaw. Heath Shaw. Thanks, I was going to say Ree Shaw. Uh, yeah. He Shaw. I mean, Momfries has done a, a fantastic job and mm. been able to get into his brain in the last few games. True. Obviously, we don't have Montfries. Do we have do we have someone that's going to be able to sort of get into him a little bit and really yep. distract him?
1: Yeah. We've already discussed him, Jarman Impey, in my view. I think he'd be... You good. reckon? Yeah, he's exactly... He might not be a good defensive uh, shutdown player, but in terms of keeping a defender accountable and going forwards, I think he'd be pretty much perfect for that sort of thing. Um, in, like, you know, the Josh Card Dom Cassisi sort of shutdown half-forward role... Um, Monfries is more lead and mark, um, but they were both opportunists. And I think that Impey is an opportunist shut down half-court, I think that would be pretty effective um, against Heathshaw, And particularly, yeah, I guess the intimidating part is that Heathshaw's coming off being best on ground last week. Um, so whoever it is, they're going to have a big game. They're going to have to have a big game. And so I guess we could query whether Impey's focus has been up to that the last couple of weeks. Um, that's really cool for the coaches. I, I have no real thoughts on whether that's the case or not. We'll see. I'm just not sure
0: he's mature enough to sort of handle Shaw as a player. Mm. That's all. I don't, I don't see him as a, that sort of enforced type. I can see Hamish Hartlett doing something like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, he, he'd, love it. he'd love that little bit of uh, grunt and uh, push and niggle. Um, I guess Jeremy Cameron's a big loss for them as well.
1: Yeah. Well, they've had two more big losses coming out of the side this week. Um, they've lost uh, Devin Smith with a knee injury, and Will Hoskin-Elliot with a quad. So that's pretty significant. Um, they're two players that I think would have, we would have potentially struggled with. Um, they're definitely first 22, both of them. So uh, yeah. the fact that they're replacing them with guys... like They're bringing in Jacob Jacob Hopper, who was drafted number seven last year with their uh, zone pick. Um, he's been named in extended 22, which... I don't know. <laughs> It'd be interesting if he gets a game. Um, I guess we're naming Cahoon so there's not necessarily a huge difference there but the fact that he's sort of getting game now I don't know that it's necessarily he's in great form but that GWS has not got heaps of options so I guess we'll see how that goes um, mm. and Another interesting fact for the game is this is uh, Joel Patful's 200th game um, in the AFL so it's pretty suitable for him to play that against Port Adelaide I guess uh, he would have had that humble start with us
0: did he, he didn't play a game for us, though, did no, he?
1: No, no. He was on the rookie list with us. We'd listed him yeah. and Brisbane drafted him and he just came out and started playing proper football, which was kind of fascinating.
0: <laughs> Would you say he's, a, he's been a good AFL player or more a serviceable AFL player? Oh,
1: definitely serviceable, yeah. That, that's. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, if he'd been a great AFL player at Brisbane, a side that has had a dearth of great AFL players in the last, what, 10 years... Um, Mm. he'd have more accolades than he does.
0: Mm. But, I mean, to get 200 games is a pretty bloody good achievement, isn't it?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. That's a different sort of achievement to excellence. That's consistency. Yeah,
0: that's right. And mm. I think that's where I'm going with it. I, I wouldn't yeah. put him as a, a very good player. I think he's serviceable and it just shows that, you know, if you're a team player and you, you, you feel your role you, you, and you stay physically sound and you're disciplined, you you can forge a, a reasonable career in the AFL. So mm. I've mentioned uh, Heath Shaw. Mm. And what are your thoughts on the... Uh, who are your worried players for GWS?
1: Well, look... um. <laughs> I think Heath Shaw is obviously a worry player for us. Um, every week this year, I think we're going to be talking about the Rock Jewel. Um, I did a bit of looking up on Mumford's form against Port Adelaide because I'm thinking I haven't seen him really play much against Port Adelaide. And the truth is, we haven't seen him play much against Port Adelaide. He hasn't played against Port Adelaide against, uh, since 2012, mm. um, in which game he scored 40 hit-outs on Jared Redden. And the match before that he played against us was 35 hit-outs against Dean Brogan. So that's a long time ago now. Um, Mumford has never gone up against the Lobby for Premiership points, so it's hard to know. Mumford is in a contract year and he's playing like it. Um if if we can break even here, I think that with the disadvantage that um G- oh, sorry, the matched disadvantage that GWS have had in midfield to us, although that depends on whether Wingard or Hartlett comes back, I think we can do okay in midfield as long as there's not a, a clear win by Mumford. Um yeah, GWS forwards, they have not really been getting on the scoreboard as much as they should. Um, St- Steve Johnson is playing for them and he's been getting possessions but not kicking goals. Um, I'll just sort of cl- put it out, out there in advance that I think he's not a spud, but he's our guy that could potentially tear us apart if we don't have a good matchup. Um, I'm not sure who our matchup for him is. Um, and Phil Davis has been in fantastic form, so uh, I think that Charlie Dixon, he's had his... Easy-ish week, I think, last week, and uh, how he goes against Phil will be uh, kind of fascinating to see. Um, I'm really
0: excited to see the number one Ruckman in the competition in Matt Lobby, uh take advantage and destroy Shane Mumford. I, I'm very confident that he's going to just come out all guns blazing, New Vision Loby, and uh, prove the world that he's the best Ruckman in the AFL.
1: Yeah, well, I think that the ground might favor Lobby, um because it's not a super fast ground and not a high quality ground, which the further you are away from a perfect pitch, the I think the more advantage you give to Matthew Lobby, uh in terms of being out of position and just shut down in the gate. Um yeah, so I think that I think Lobby if there's going to be a week that he can do well, it's probably this week. So we'll, we'll see how he goes. He's due for a, a turn in form because it's been a long time. Yeah. Are you I've got one.
0: If Shane Mumford laid another tackle like he did on Jordan Murdoch on Justin Westhoff, would he break Westoff in half?
1: Nah. I reckon Westoff is underrated. I reckon he's a bit like uh, Gavin Wanganine Rubberman. Yeah? Are... Yeah, I think he avoids getting that sort of contact, but I don't think he's necessarily going to break if he gets it. Um, no? Nah. No, I think he'd be fine.
0: You're going to be fine? Well, hopefully it doesn't. Happen. That was an awesome tackle.
1: Yeah. No, he's pretty flexible, west Off. I, I think he'd be more... I think the most dangerous person to get tackled like that would be, I don't know, someone like Jared Pollock. Like, that could be destroying. That would be awful. Um, Did you watch the GWS Sydney game? Yeah, I watched bits of it. I was not... I don't know. GWS, I'm still having trouble thinking of them as a side that's entertaining to watch, which is not great. It, it mm. makes me feel like a hypocrite because I had the view that when Port Adelaide came in the competition that, you know, if you all these Victorian clubs saying, oh, Port Adelaide, who cares? Like, oh, I piss off, you know, Port Adelaide, proud history, great club, great players, blah, blah, blah. And I feel like a hypocrite because I look at GWS and I'm exactly, eh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, I still can't see a lot to get excited about, but yeah, I will, we'll see. Right. <laughs>
0: Interesting. We Uh, need more
1: history with them, basically, I think. uh,
0: We do. do. It's still a bit early. Uh, I noticed you've got a point here Has Leon Cameron, um, Richmond, Richmond. GWS.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, it seems to be heading that way. Um, We talked a couple of weeks ago about their addition of Wayne Campbell as a football manager. Um, Obviously, Kevin Sheedy kicked them off as a former Richmond player. Uh, and Leon Cameron is the, the current coach. I mean, there's a pretty strong theme going through there. I just sort of wonder, you know, how much of that might be seeping into the culture. Um, what
0: are, what about the Chad Corns factor, which was pointed out on our uh, Spreaker chat?
1: Ooh, what part are you talking about there?
0: Well, he was with GWS, wasn't
1: he? Oh, yeah, that's true. Well, he should know the players, absolutely. Um, he should be able to give us the inside goss, but I don't think there'd yeah. be... Look, I don't think we're at the stage where there'd be a lot that we wouldn't already know. Um I think the most we'd find out about is who has regular niggling injuries to what areas and that sort of thing. That would be what we'd hopefully get from Chad. But as far as current form or current skill sets, I don't know that mm. we get all that much.
0: Yeah. It's, uh, I found that GWS did really well um, holding up Sydney in that midfield, especially in the first quarter. Mm. And uh, they really, really uh, kept it together. Um, you know, for two and a half quarters there. So, mm. but my mind's just boggling by the fact that they've just supposedly found a 1500 year old mummy that appears to be wedding wearing Adidas trainers. <laughs> I
1: that's know, just it's pretty, pretty much, awesome,
0: isn't it? Oh, that's just, uh, yeah, clearly, you know, Adidas has been around for a lot longer than what even the company realized.
1: Well, and the best part, I think is they found it in Germany, where Adidas is from. So that's, that's kind of hilarious. It, ma- it makes you kind of wish, like, and I'm sure that someone out there is writing some terrible science fiction story about it, that it's a time traveller who's gone back however far and with their Adidas shoes and accidentally fallen through a time oh. portal or whatever else. I mean, there's someone writing that fiction right now. You know it for sure. <laughs> oh, that's got to
0: be my favourite movie storyline, Time Travel.
1: Oh, Time Travel's fun, isn't it? <laughs> it's awesome. Anyway, back to footy. Yeah, back to footy. So um, Manica Oval, just quickly. um, We won the last time we played there in 2014. Um, We played the Kangaroos there three times and lost all the times. But interesting fact is that uh, Polak had 30 disposals and kicked three goals the last time we played GWS in Manica in 2014. Uh, And with the form that Polak was in last week, um, I think getting back to what we expect him to do most weeks and what he is capable of, um, I think he's certainly in a uh, position to maybe be sort of our breakout player against GWS again this time um, just because he's got that really effective uh, attacking instinct that certainly helps us out enormously but it's also uh, against defences that aren't really, really ready for it uh, he can carve them up so I'm hoping that Pollock might be our rising star not the award but just in general um, this week
0: Yes Yes. The, uh... I, I agree. I think he is uh, getting some positive momentum. Uh, actually, there was an he did an interview um, just before the showdown, where he was saying that he was instructed to basically stay wide of the pack, and I, yeah. I wonder if that really threw him off because he instead of using his natural instinct just to go hunt the ball and get the ball because he's a great inside player. Um, It sort of threw him and he just sort of sat on the outside and I think he just got a little bit lost and obviously that got corrected with last week's game where um, his his blend of uh, inside and outside was perfect and, um, yeah, so I'm just wondering if there was a little bit of confusion with the instruction on how he was supposed to play. But I think last week is definitely what we want to see and it's good to see that his foot's holding up and he's starting to get some confidence. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he can rack up because he's such a damaging player for us.
1: Yeah, I kind of feel like this the, the talk about inside and outside players is one of the areas where AFL really needs to learn new language because I sort of see there's kind of three areas you're looking at. So you've got legitimate inside, which is Ollie Wines, like, gen- like at the full of the ball, at the ruck tap, you know, right in the guts, a really physical game. And you've got your full-on outsiders um, who really just pick up positions right on the edge of the pack. But then you've got the guys that work through that that middle zone, and that's exactly where Jared Polak does his best work. So it's, I suppose, what you might call light traffic, um, mm. in that he's not in there getting thumped around every week, but he's not right on the outside just hoping someone gets the ball to him. He's in there winning it uh, right in the... I guess if you look at the, you know, the best comparison I can think of right now is a cross-section of Earth. So you've got your, your core, your mantle, and your crust. And he's probably in the mantle of the Port Adelaide midfield win, uh, uh, ball winning. Um, very active, very hot, but um, very damaging when you can break out. <laughs> Please, let's,
0: let's not put him in the crusty category.
1: No, he's not. He's in the mantle. He's the, vol- he's, he's the coming volcano.
0: <laughs> that doesn't sound right. Portion. I'll keep. I'll keep. I'll keep it plain. Plain. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah out of, very... You're out of control. Settle down.
1: All right. All right. Well, look, we'll move on. Um, just uh, going to our next segment, um, which is uh, the Fringe Force Five. Um, so we've been talking about uh, players that have been sort of on the edge of the twenty-two um, the last few weeks, just so we don't talk about them every week. And this week, it's um, a controversial player who has not had quite the same. Year so far as others, and that's Cameron O'Shea, um, who we're bringing up, putting under the spotlight this week. I know. <laughs> uh, he was uh, pick 52 in the 2010 National Draft. He's only 24 years old still, which puts him at the same age as Sam Gray and Jared Pollack. Um, there's 11 players in the current 22 younger than him, though, so he, you'd have to say that he's uh, going to find it harder and harder to break into the side. But he still played sixty-eight games in the five-and-a-bit seasons, and only ten games in twenty-fifteen. Um, what does it mean that Burn Jones has leapfrogged him? Uh, even Cahoon, Sam Cahoon, is listed on the bench ahead of him. Rick, uh, what do you think for Cameron O'Shea's future at Port Adelaide?
0: Uh, I think Cam's a really nice guy, and I think he's a very much loved um, team player. And uh, it's just that it's not in the AFL side. That's all.
1: There's an interesting stat about Cam O'Shea, which I think won't surprise a lot of fans, which is that um, 42 of his 68 games played for Port Adelaide have come after round 11, so that 61% of his games have been in the tail end of the season. Um, there's probably a few reasons for why that's the case, but um, do you not think he's got a role? You, you'd think, I personally I would kind of think that with the press that we're trying to execute, he's exactly the sort of defender you'd want on your side, and so it's kind of baffling um, how bad is his form that he's not being made a part of it because he's extremely mobile he's a good mark and he can read the ball as it comes in um, these are all exactly the benchmarks you'd want for a defender in the press i would have thought what are your thoughts
0: it's he was shocking in the pre-season and i think it's a little bit of an indictment on the player that they can't get themselves mentally prepared for the start of the season and they they come good during the season i I don't think that's really a good reflection on a professional sports person, really. And, I mean, his upside's fantastic when he's confident and he's reading the play and intercept marking and providing rebound. I mean, yeah, you you can fall in love with that and, and think, um, geez, he could almost be as good as Jasper. But... Um, he just doesn't do it enough. And like I said, from what I saw in the preseason game he played, you'd have no um, confidence in him uh, playing at all, really. It, it's just, uh, I, think the, I think, look, but at the same time, I, I wouldn't want to just say that you've got to chop him off the list because he's one of those depth players where come finals and if there's injuries, he could stand up and, and mm-hmm. do the great do the greatness that you love and adore from him.
1: Yeah, look, absolutely. And, like, if you look at the stats I just spread out, like, 24 has played 68 games. I mean, a few years ago, that's exactly the sort of player we'd be targeting to trade in. Um, that, that's, you know, that's exactly who he would look for. Uh, so I guess the fact is he's a half-back flanker, uh, and that's always mm-hmm. your least your least dangerous position to cut and replace. Um it's uh, You do make an interesting point But I think we talk about you know The reason why Cameron Shea isn't getting into the side Is because he's not working hard enough Or whatever else um, But I kind of wonder if the reason he comes in later in the season As a rule is because maybe he's not do- Following all of the team rules on the field And it's not until the other players Start dropping off with injury or form That he gets a shot um, And that he can do a job quite well But that maybe it's just not a job that quite conforms With what the coaches want
0: Hmm. I just, uh, I know. I'm looking at some of the comments and people are saying, give him a break. He comes good in the second half of the season mm. and blah, 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 blah. And I know that you love him and you're going to defend him to death. But <laughs> um, I guess what it comes down to, though, if we get rid of him, right, mm. what are we getting in replacement? So that's the million uh, um, dollar question. Uh, you know, are we going to be. Replacing him, and you're a bit of a mercenary with list management, Porsche. So, surely you would be one um, that would be thinking, well, if he's not going to get a game, he should be going. Um,
1: He's not a versatile flanker, so I think he's probably more in the gun than others. Like, I don't see him filling in a half forward in, in a different industry spot. Um, so, I think that fact that he is basically just a half back flanker can limit him. Um, mm. And make him on an elite list where we're trying to maximise the versatility of the players as much as possible. I think that does put him under a lot more pressure than some other players. How's um, his SA in field form been? Not great, as far as I can, t- as far as I've read. So, yeah, um, I think yeah. the
0: writing's uh, on the wall for him. I reckon it's going to be tough. And, like you said, we've got so many halfback flankers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if Darcy Byrne Jones is passing him and you you got Jasper now looking like he's going to be a 10 year player unless mm. he gets some sort of injury, touch wood. Same for Matty Broadbent. You know, I just, it's going to be a hard defensive unit to, uh, to push into. You know, and then, so then it comes down to do you want to keep a, a Darcy Byrne Jones or a Cam O'Shea? Because, If if you're not giving Darcy opportunities, he's probably going to want to go somewhere else.
1: Uh, I don't think it even comes down to that. I think it comes down to how many halfback flankers you want, um, what age brackets they're going to be in. Uh, So he's still only 24, which theoretically means he's coming into his peak uh, physically. Um, But also, who can we get in? So what I said before about halfback flankers, they're they're easy to replace. Like um, They're always the ones that are most able to be traded for fairly inexpensively. Um, and so for um, Crips is out there talking to half-back flankers that want to come back to Adelaide or come to port specifically um, then if there's someone coming in that's on the edge of the 22 or in first 22 uh, that would absolutely put camochet under the pump because then you don't need a, a, a journeyman mid-aged player on the defense or, sorry on your on your seconds team you can just go straight out for more young talent. so I think that list list managements what's going to cut in more than anything else Um It'd be interesting to see if we get a trade-off But to get a trade-off you normally need to have some top-level form And he doesn't have that Not recently no. at all
0: You couldn't I mean, say you're getting more than a third-rounder for him
1: Oh, no Unless he comes in the last ten games and he plays really well um, mm. And if there's, a, if there's a side on the rise That are coming into the top eight Maybe they'd want to trade for someone that can add to that um, mm. Yeah
0: all right. So anyway, at this point in time, we're putting a line through Cam.
1: Yeah, End of all, 2016. Although as Dylan's just pointed out on the Spreaker um, chat room, that uh, there's a strong strong correlation between Cameron being in the side and Port Adelaide winning games. Um, which not agree.
0: Don't, with. don't listen to Dylan. He's just a troub- He's just a troublemaker. That guy. He, he just <laughs> just tries to undermine anything that's said, and just tries to rock his own boat. I oh, just stay away from him. He's a bad, bad seed. That guy.
1: Fair enough. I do agree. Okay, next. Well, we're pretty much done. Um, We've just knocked over the hour. Uh, just awesome. want to talk about, I guess, who do you think is going to win and by how much?
0: Uh, I'm going to go Port with a bit of confidence and 27 points.
1: Okay, I'm going to be Macca this week. I'm going to tip Greater Western Sydney by seven um, and the reason for that is that I feel I haven't looked at the stats, but I feel like Port Adelaide often has announcement hangover. Um, you know, we had that whole season where after we got the brand new Alan Scott headquarters, we just played awfully, and people were saying the players are getting ahead of themselves. Now we're going to be the 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 most popular AFL club in Asia, and you just kind of kind of wonder, you know, how hard it is to keep the uh, The glee that was probably around the club at all levels uh, from having us get ahead of ourselves. I I, Ah. I wouldn't be surprised. And Manuka again, not always a happy hunting ground. Um, And GWS have been a bit up and down. I'm pretty happy. I'm not happy to, but I think GWS might just edge us out in Canberra. Boo! no
0: way! What does that mean for our season?
1: Well, it's an away game, so if you're losing against uh, GWS um, in Canberra, look, that's one that. You would probably say you should win if you're going to be like a top four side, but that if you lose it, I mean, you're playing away. You can't expect to win all your away games. It just means you make it up against someone else. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, nah, I think,
0: look, if we're going to be a serious title contender, mm. this is this is the game that we should be winning. Bookies oh, yeah. have got GWS favourites. I think really on paper we're, you know, maybe 60-40 in our favour. So it should be a game that um, we should be able to win, and uh, and I would be hoping. And then it opens right up because if we can get through the Giants with a win, and then we get, and if we can beat our nemesis Geelong, well then we get the run of Richmond, Brisbane, Carlton, which we know is no guarantee. Um, and then you know an average West Coast by the looks, of it away from home, Melbourne, Collingwood. Yeah, that's a pretty good run coming into
1: round eleven. Look, I think that we've got to remember we're in round four, so if we do lose, there's plenty of time to make it up. We don't want to lose, and we we should. If we're a serious side, we should win. GWS is probably as exposable as ever. Like they're coming off a pretty hot showdown against um, Sydney. Um, they've just got two pretty important uh, injuries to players that are pretty good, mm-hmm. consistent, and quality performers for them. Um, mm. They are they are exp- exposable this week, so in that respect we should win. But if you don't win away, I mean, you've got to win some away, but you don't have to win all away. And even though you might want to say that you should, so I think we should, but I don't know that we will. And I'm not mm. too concerned if we don't, unless we get smashed. Cool. So who's your high goal kicker for Port? Who do you reckon is going to get on the board? I'm going to
0: go Robbie Gray with five goals.
1: Really, that high? Yep. Alright, I reckon I'll go Pollock with three. I reckon it'll probably be a shared goal-scoring one.
0: Pollock with three. Yep, right. no dramas. I reckon Robbie is going to get BOG and three um, or ten coaches' points, three Browno points. Yep. He's going to kick it back.
1: I reckon Sam Gray might get away from them because I think we're looking at injuries to their fringe midfield, which I think reduces the people that we have to play against. I think Sam... Or potentially, if Archie stays in and gets time, he might be able to break away as well. Mm. Um, who's your spud? Who's your, your fringe player that's not necessarily the greatest that you reckon might come out and be a bit dangerous? I don't, I don't
0: know if this is an indictment on me or if it's an indictment on GWS, but yeah. I've got no friggin' idea who their spuds are because I, I don't really, outside of Jeremy Cameron, Heath Shaw and Phil Davis and whoever else, Cornelia, whatever his name is, yeah. I've I, I got no idea, so <laughs> pass.
1: Yeah, well, look, I, I kind of agree with Todd Bell, um, who's just said bloody Reese Palmer, which absolutely, we've been susceptible uh, for Joe the Goose goals this year. He's kicked a bunch against us the last time we played him. Um, He's absolutely the sort of guy that could just be super frustrating and get easy goals over the top. Um, The other one, I think, is Stephen Johnson, just because he's... Been getting he's not good a spud. P- No, he's not a spud, but he's a bit past it and he's not been getting on the scoreboard lately. So if he came out and kicked five, that would be a big turnaround in his personal form.
0: He's not a spud. He's just a wanker.
1: <laughs> Fair we enough. Can't, can't
0: get, we can't get sued for defamation, defamation or anything, can we?
1: Um, no, because the truth is an absolute defence against defamation. Awesome. We're <laughs> safe. Yes. All right. All right.
0: Next. And what-
1: what, what's your house? What, what, what are you betting the house on?
0: Betting my house on... I haven't had a good run with this so far. No, Robbie, Ga- Robbie Gray's going to get tagged, and he's mm. still going to get 30-plus disposals and kick five goals. All
1: right, that's a pretty good one. I'm going to say that Lobby will win hitouts by 15. Poor. Oh. Yep. I, re- I reckon he can get on top in Manica. I'm pretty good. No, that's, a,
0: that's a pretty safe bet, because Lobby's the best ruckman in the AFL, <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
0: yeah, new vision, maybe. So leave him alone. Have right. some confidence. I think you need to go a little bit more risque.
1: Oh really? Okay. Um, in that case, I reckon this week Jasper Pittard will kick a goal and have twenty five plus possessions. Here's
0: here's one. Is <coughs> excuse me, probably of a cough. Is is Matthew Broad been a great kick but a bad shot on shot on goal? Uh
1: Yeah, I can believe that. I don't know. It's a different different discipline.
0: Ever since the Carlton game where he hit the post at Footy Park in our... uh, Was that our Magpies Guernsey? That lost us and that cost us the game. Yeah. Missed opportunity. He's always been a bit shaky from here on in. Yeah. Doesn't set the world on fire.
1: Well, I mean, I guess it doesn't come up too often.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no. Mm. But anyway, anything else to add?
1: No, just um. That's. I think we can wrap it up there. And um. So thanks for coming on, Rick. Um, for listening out there. Uh, what is
0: People are asking that we go for another hour.
1: Oh, I don't think there's enough to talk about unless we go back on China again. But
0: well, what about um, just quickly? What about the SA NFL? Well, we've got to buy of, this week, so we the to talk about. Why is there why is there a buy so early?
1: Well, you got to have them sometime, don't you? Why not?
0: Are you a fan of the buys?
1: Um, I think they're a good thing for players, and I think that, like you know, how you get cabin fever the week before the first round of football, and I think buys sort of keep bring you back a little bit during the season. So if you're sort of getting it around eleven, twelve, I mean that's the ideal time, around eleven, twelve, and you're thinking, oh yeah, footy every week, and it's like, oh, it'd be nice to go and have a barbecue or whatever else. Um, Then that weekend off, you'll go, oh, yeah, we had a nice weekend, but gee, I miss footy. I think they're good. I think they're good for fans and players.
0: So what about Kevin Sheedy coming out and saying um, the first round should be a completely international round for all the clubs?
1: Um, I think Kevin Sheedy is someone that people should stop listening to.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You don't think there's any merit in playing the first round all overseas?
1: Um no not if there's no well look, no absolutely and I'll tell you why and it's because if you're just playing every round every game in the first round overseas and you don't do the groundwork for it um then mm. it's going to be a waste of time for every other club other than Port Adelaide you know like if we go and yeah. play in China having done the groundwork we've done we'll get real value out of it yeah. but if you just get told if you're St Kilda and you get told you're going to play in I don't know Chile or Canada or wherever else in not, not Canada it'd be too icy but um you know Japan or wherever else um then I don't think, unless you do the groundwork to go with it, there's no point, you know? There's no real value in it. It's a novelty, but Mm. it doesn't really do anything. True. It's like, you know, when a a team from the American team comes out and plays in Australia or... I mean, I kind of feel it's the same thing when a a Premier League team comes out and plays a game in Australia. It's like, oh, yeah, it's nice and it's an experience, but I don't think it does a lot.
0: Mm. It's a... uh... It's an interesting time. Yeah, I think a whole, a whole round mm. uh, is a bit tough. Um, yeah, I mean, I can see maybe a game in New Zealand, maybe a game in England, a game in the States, a game in China. Uh, but yeah, you need to do the groundwork. And I think that's what Port showed. I mean, they've yeah. been working on this for what, three years?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah sure.
0: So, I mean, it's, it's taken a long time to get there. So, uh, yeah. yeah. But I'm not a fan of the buy, to be honest.
1: No, well, fair enough. I mean, I, I think it's good. And usually, like, it's a great opportunity for players that if we've got injury to sort of come back without having to play. And especially those guys that are just sort of carrying niggling stuff just to get that week off and straighten up. And, look, I think it's better for football to have the bye because it means you've got players in top form more often. Mm. Scott
0: reckons that Matthew Broadbent kicks um, goals from 50 um, at Head Stadium.
1: Yeah, I'd believe that. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, like, it's just a hugely different discipline: kicking goals and kicking to people. Because kicking people, like every human's got that part of their brain that sort of does trigonometry, mm. even though their conscious brain can't do it. And so, when you're a moving object and they're a moving object, it's much easier to work out <clears> the distance and all that sort of thing with the like the innate calculations you do in your brain. Mm. Uh, whereas you're kicking between two spots, like as a hunter coming from that hunter background like there's not a lot of call for that just sort of kicking in a zone um, and so that's something you have to be more conscious with and I think that's why as a rule people are not as good at goal kicking as they are at field kicking no
0: I agree and I mean if I go back to my amateur sporting analogy I'm a, I used to be shocking in front of goals mm. I used to I used to play um, field hockey and uh, I used to be a wingman or a, a half backer and I used to be able to pass a ball onto someone's stick 50 metres away but then uh, I had a few opportunities in front of goals, open goal, goalkeeper was on the ground, and I just had an air swing. I just, I went, to, I just went to mush when it went in, into a, a goal-scoring opportunity, but then you had others which were just clinical. And uh, I guess that's just the beauty of sport and psychology and, and how people work, and that's why sport has a backline to make up for those players that are hopeless in front of goals. <laughs>
1: I don't think that's the reason for it but yeah okay
0: (laughs) (laughs) hey let me try and make myself feel better and thanks for Graham Hitch um, coming on late he's I know he's a a podcast devotee as well and uh, so better late better late than never and I think I've, I've tried to pad out another ten minutes for you guys. I don't know if we I can get another forty-five, and it would be nice to be able to get home maybe one night before eleven o'clock. It would be pretty cool. So, uh, right. well, yeah, we've we've done well.
1: We'll wrap it up, and for all the people that like listening in, um, as we said at the start of the top of the program, please play, put a review up on iTunes. It gives us a bit more exposure, and um, it makes Rick very very happy. And I, there's a prize potentially. Um, there is a experience. prize, not not potentially,
0: there is a prize. I think uh, Macca said he will make up a, uh, a banner for it so we can post it up on, on social media and Bigfooty and uh, on the Port Fam radio page. So it yeah, will give away two tickets. And we've had 10 like, uh, reviews this week on iTunes um, from 6 six to 16. So that's great. Like I said, really, really appreciate all your support and fisting butcher absolutely go the butch.
1: <laughs> okay all right we'll pack it up so thanks rick and <laughs> calm the power welcome power butcher. For black black